From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Public health officials who have been busy with the pandemic are now also preparing for flu season. Here to share what's most important to know about this year's flu season is Dr. Jared Bagatelle. He's a doctor of family medicine who's the medical director of employee and student health at Upstate. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Bagatelle. Thank you, Amber. It's great to be here. Well, let's talk about why the flu vaccine is so important this year. Ah, as we've spoken before, uh, the, flu in, the flu vaccine is important every year. But this year in particular, given the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, we know that a flu vaccine is the single most important way to protect folks against influenza. So the vaccine helps protect you and others around you from getting sick or potentially dying from the flu. But there's great concern this year, given the COVID pandemic, that given the anticipated circulating flu viruses and the COVID pandemic, that all this could potentially overwhelm hospitals and their ability to care for people who need services. So more than ever this year, it is profoundly important that everybody get out there and get a flu shot. We must preserve the uh, healthcare resources in our community for everybody for when, when they may need it. Well, the mask wearing and the hand washing that we've become accustomed to, isn't that going to protect us from the flu as well as COVID-19? It certainly helps protect. And it's also important measures to fight against the spread and uh, getting the, the flu. Um, interestingly, Amber, last year when the COVID pandemic hit the United States and here locally, uh, we noticed that since folks were paying attention to social distancing and wearing masks when out in public, that the, um, the flu season seemed to end earlier than uh, previously anticipated by a few weeks. So usually the flu season might typically go into the middle of May. It was uh, slowing down and deemed nearly the end of the flu season by early to mid-April. So it certainly has shown and certainly makes sense that it'll have a, a profound impact on, on limiting the spread and preventing. But the most important way to prevent the flu is to get a flu shot. Now, speaking of like the seasonality of the flu, are the experts predicting a rise in COVID-19 cases as the weather pushes us indoors? Is there some expected seasonality to COVID-19 as well? Yeah, Amber, I would, I would anticipate and many do anticipate that when it starts getting colder and we start huddling more closely indoors, it's going to be certainly more challenging to maintain social distancing uh, to be out and about in the fresh blowing uh, summer air. Uh, it'll be blowing cold air, but <laughs> we'll be more likely indoors. And we know that typically cold and flu season peaks in the winter, uh, be it January or February. And uh, we wanna make sure that, um, that everybody does their best to uh, maintain proper hygiene when they're indoors as well as, as outdoors. Um, but yeah, we would expect that there will be an increase in respiratory illnesses, as we usually see uh, in the winter months. Well, let's talk about the flu vaccine um, for this year. 
Is there anything in it that's going to help protect us from COVID-19 or is it just for influenza? Hmm, hopeful thinking. Unfortunately, uh, the flu vaccine is specifically uh, developed to help protect us against the anticipated flu strains and it will not uh, protect us directly from COVID. Well, how effective do we think this year's vaccine is going to be? It's always difficult to predict. Um, and we know that the vaccine is being produced where they did some um, updates to the viruses that are in the vaccine itself in anticipation of what may be potentially spreading. Um, to really know how effective a vaccine is going to be depends on so many factors that are really often difficult for folks to tease out. But primarily, uh, it depends on the individual and the individual's age and health status and when they may have gotten the vaccine, as well as how good the match is with the vaccine. So you put those two things together, we're not quite sure how effective the vaccine is going to be. Um, we do know that uh, studies show that flu vaccines can reduce flu illness by 40 to 60 percent among an overall population of people who get the vaccine during flu season. And we know that uh, even a rate of 40 percent effectiveness can significantly reduce the number of flu cases, hospitalizations, and death related to the flu. So when the scientists were working to develop this year's flu vaccine, that was during the beginning of the pandemic, right? Or in the, they were, they were well underway when the pandemic became apparent. Did that impact or make it harder for them to develop the flu vaccine? It doesn't seem to have. Um, they, I'm sure, have been keeping their ear to the rail and keeping to their task, which is protecting folks from seasonal flu. And it didn't seem to in that the CDC reports that the flu vaccine manufacturers are projecting as many of a, as 195 to 197 million doses of flu vaccine to be available in the US for this year. That is an incredible amount of vaccine when you pause to think about it. Um, and it's even an increase from last year's record, which was 180 million doses manufactured. So I expect there'll be plenty of flu vaccine to go around. That's good that there won't be shortages. Now, can you tell me, is it available only as a shot or is there a nasal spray alternative? Sure. This year, there is approval for the nasal spray alternative. And I know when we've spoke over the years past, there were a couple of years where the nasal spray vaccine was on hold. Uh, primarily out of question regarding its effectiveness uh, and perhaps its consistency with the delivery system given each individual person. But this year it's available and folks might think about it uh, as being maybe easier than getting a shot. It certainly may seem less daunting than getting a shot, um, but it is a unique vaccine in that it is a live vaccine compared to the flu shot which is an inactivated or a recombinant vaccine, meaning that it can't get you sick. Um, the nasal spray won't get you sick, but it's important that it's only indicated for healthy, non-pregnant people 
between ages two and through 49. It's not to be used during pregnancy. It's not to be used for people who may have weakened immune systems. So if anybody out there is considering a nasal flu vaccine, I would strongly advise that they review this with their personal health care provider before going out and doing so. Well, that leads me to my next question about who needs to get a flu shot this year. As with every year prior, the CDC strongly recommends that everybody over age six months of age get the seasonal flu vaccine. Pregnant or not? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And how soon should we be vaccinated? Because we want the vaccine to carry us through the whole season, right? Is it, can we, can we get it too soon? That's always a question and concern that people, people raise. It's hard to predict when peak flu season is going to arise, but if we go by history and uh, assuming that history often uh, repeats itself, uh, we're looking at a peak again, January, February. The flu vaccine in a generally young and healthy person is to be sustainable and immunity sustainable through the flu season. Older folks may not be able to have that longer standing protective immunity. And for that special reason, Amber, folks older than age 65 should talk with their personal health provider about getting the high dose vaccine which uh-huh. is to uh, give them the coverage and the, the extension of coverage that they need. But the CDC recommends that by the end of October, everybody should have received a seasonal flu vaccine. So we're looking at September and October, get out there and get the flu shot while it's available, certainly before you might get sick with anything that might further delay your ability to get a seasonal flu shot. Get it while it's available, get it as soon as it's available, and realize it takes two weeks for a person to build immunity. So get it before you get sick. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Jared Bagatelle. He's the medical director of Upstate's Employee and Student Health, and he's also a doctor of family medicine. Now, I'd like to go over the symptoms of influenza compared with the symptoms of COVID-19. If our communities potentially facing both of these viruses, um, how would we tell which one we have if we start feeling sick? Yeah, so it's a great question. A lot of folks are are asking it. A lot of folks are experiencing uh, symptoms and well uh, as well, and they're concerned. What do I have going on, Doc? What is it? It's not so easy to clinically distinguish between flu and COVID. And testing may actually be needed to better uh, delineate. We know that both are contagious respiratory illnesses. They're caused by different viruses. And there's such a variation on the theme of the presenting symptoms from no to mild to moderate to quite severe, as we've seen with respect to COVID recently across the news. Um, It's also concerning because people may have a period where they're not symptomatic as yet, but they can be contagious. And that's a concern. So for flu, that could be up to a day before you start to show symptoms. And for COVID, it could be up to a couple of days before you start to show symptoms. So if a person starts to show symptoms, some of the symptoms that COVID and flu share in common, again, this is very generally speaking, very broad stroke, generally speaking, because there are 
so many variations on themes that we've seen, but generally uncommon, both the flu and COVID will present with a dry cough. And both COVID and flu often, but not always, present with a fever. So if you have a cough, particularly a dry cough, one that you haven't been used to having for any other explainable reason, and a fever, then that could be a suspect for either flu or COVID. Um, COVID folks uh, who have the COVID virus may uh, develop shortness of breath and rapid breathing that sometimes occurs. And that doesn't generally happen with flu unless you have an underlying pulmonary uh, condition such as asthma. Uh, flu, very commonly, we've spoken about in the past, is folks have reported they know the exact minute they began to feel sick. It's often an abrupt onset with body aches and fatigue and headache. And those are common with the flu, but not as common with COVID, although sometimes they occur. And the one, what we call pathognomonic, it's a big word, one of the hallmark or telltale symptoms that I may have COVID-19 is this loss of the sense of smell. So if you're in respiratory illness season as we're coming up and you start to develop a dry cough, a fever, and you may be a little short of breath more unusually than so, and you have a loss of sense of smell, it's a high likelihood you've got COVID. Well, between the two, influenza and COVID-19, which is more dangerous? Wow. I, I think, um, you know, they're, they're both certainly quite dangerous, potentially, depending on what the underlying medical condition may be. And it's still real early in the COVID experience to know. Um, we do know that there are a lot of folks who may have mild cases of COVID. We're detecting lots of folks who are asymptomatic and shown to have COVID uh, where they never develop symptoms or the symptoms are ever so mild and it wouldn't necessarily be dangerous for them, but it certainly would be dangerous for somebody who is vulnerable. So they can both cause serious illnesses. Um, and even though there's a lot to learn at this time, it does seem as if COVID-19 is more deadly than the seasonal flu, but it's really too early to draw any absolute conclusions given the current data. Uh, time will tell as more people uh, are infected and more people have mild illnesses, we'll be able to gauge uh, the, the, the seriousness and the dangerousness of this, of this virus. For someone who um, maybe doesn't have underlying health conditions, but is infected with either the flu or COVID-19, what would you recommend in terms of treatment? If they're able to uh, sort of write it out in their home, um, what do they need to have ready to help them make that time a little more comfortable? Yeah, uh, assuming a person's generally healthy and they're, they're um, other, otherwise fit and they know to not have any other concerning underlying medical conditions, it's always good to have some acetaminophen which is the big generic word, often mispronounced even by me, uh, for Tylenol. So having some generic Tylenol on hand to help with any aches or fever can certainly help folks get through some uncomfortable symptoms of 
of flu uh, and or COVID. And um, short of that, uh, generally speaking, there's really no routinely recommended over-the-counter medication for colds and flu uh, as a general rule or better than one or the other. It's so hugely commercialized that uh, you, you're coming up uh, on the, the season ahead, the commercials will drown us with uh, what one should do if one feels sick. So I've always sort of heard, you know, fluids and rest. Is that sort of, you start with that? Absolutely. Listen to your body. Stay in tune with your body. Um, be familiar with how it routinely uh, behaves and responds to illnesses. And absolutely take care of your body. The time to get rest is as often as you have opportunity to get rest so that you are in as good a shape as you can be before you might get sick. But certainly when you are sick, it's important to get appropriate rest, appropriate fluid, hydration, uh, diet. All those things will be even more important should you get sick with any of these viruses. Are there any warning signs that we need to be looking out for that we shouldn't ignore that would either tell us, you know, get to the hospital or at least, you know, call your physician? Yeah. Amber, that, that's a great question, and it's so important for listeners to know that it is so important to know their personal health and their personal health situation, as well as the resources that they're going to have available to go to should they become sick. But generally speaking, again, folks who have special attention to some personal health matters, health history, including underlying medical conditions like heart disease, lung disease, like COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or asthma, diabetes, weakened immune system. These folks need to be on a higher level of alert because, as they may have experienced in the past, respiratory illnesses can develop quite quickly and quite severely in folks with underlying medical conditions. Generally speaking, I would advise, Amber, that anyone who experiences severe or progressive shortness of breath uncontrollable coughing spells that might interfere with one's ability to breathe or eat or drink, maintain hydration, or cause faintness, those may likely be signs of more serious complications going on and more concerning disease processes. And uh, certainly, if you're not experiencing any of those severe symptoms, but you have concerns at all about your illness, it's always better to call your doctor's office and talk with a medical professional for any advice and guidance uh, before, certainly before going out to visit a crowded acute medical care facility or going out to a crowded pharmacy to grab your acetaminophen. Um, so uh, well, let the best me get... advice may come from your doctor who knows you best. Let's get back to the importance of the uh, getting the flu vaccine this year. If a person contracts influenza, is that necessarily going to make them more susceptible to COVID-19 because they're weaker and that sort of thing? It's a really good question, and there certainly could be lots of discussion and debate. We don't know for certain, but we do know that when you get kicked and your system's otherwise uh, at risk or experiencing inflammation for other reasons, uh, it may make us certainly more susceptible to getting kicked harder should we be insulted by another infection or disease process. 
So it may not necessarily make us more susceptible to contracting COVID, but it may certainly make us more likely to develop uh, more serious illness after being exposed to COVID because we've already been kicked once. You certainly don't want to get kicked twice. And my advice to everybody listening is to go and get your flu shot and to continue practice safe public health measures to keep you protected and wearing your mask and social distancing, and washing your hands regularly and not touching your face and getting a flu shot. Well, we certainly appreciate the reminder. Thank you to Dr. Jared Bagatelle, a doctor of family medicine, who's the medical director of employee and student health at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.